0: Inside Bill's Brain is a new Netflix documentary. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, The Rutgers love controversy came up again in my life through my own fault, and um, I'm going to discuss that a little. And also, Baylor extends Matt Rule's their head coach, football head coach's contract, and we talk about that. I'm Armstrong Sims. This is the Armstrong Sims Show. Okay, thanks for listening. Um, So sorry about yesterday. The, I didn't put out a show yesterday. Um, I, I was really, really, really busy. had an extremely busy day. One of the busiest that I've had so far this school year. So that is why I did not produce and come out with an episode yesterday. So my apologies if you were planning on that. I don't think anyone was. But if you were, my, my sincerest apologies. So sorry about that. But yes, it is October! Happy October! To all you people out there who celebrate October as if it's some holiday for some... ...strange reason. Everyone treats October as if... ...it's German. Now all of a sudden we're celebrating German people? Because it's October? I don't get it. I don't get it. If you didn't notice, um, I hope you did notice. I have a new cover art for the show. A new uh, main, main photo, main yeah, cover art. I guess is what you actually call it. Um, for the show. Um, I think it looks good. I think it looked. It looks way better than the last one. The last one I just slapped together. This one I actually worked on and made. So. This might be the one for a while. Um, also, if you also notice, I have a planned intro. I'm, I'm we're, we're taking things to the next level here on the Armstrong Sim Show. A planned intro and a theme song. A set theme song that I finally found. A copyright-free set theme song that I was satisfied with and willing to use in every episode. So, yeah, we're making moves. We're making big moves here at the Armstrong Sim Show. Stick around. It's gonna be a wild ride. The day of course the day after I um establish my new intro style and uh um new theme song. The day after that I don't even come out with an episode, so sorry for falling off. You know, all the podcasts every every article you ever read about how to grow a podcast, it says consistency is key. So I guess I guess I just I just Ruined myself. All hopes I had of this podcast growing I'm, are now completely out the window. Okay, I w- I watched, um, and now in film world. I'm going to talk about film for a little bit. Or just this one. Um, I watched uh, this new Netflix documentary. It's called Inside Bill's Brain. I actually only watched like the first 30 minutes of the first episode. So I'm planning on watching all of it. But I have not watched much of it. But so far I've actually been kind of disappointing the it's about Bill Gates by the way it's it's called Inside Bill, Bill's Brain and it's just well okay so this, the show was pitched as a sh- as a show who that is going to examine Bill as, as the title what you suggest examine Bill Gates' brain and kind of like figure out how, what what makes him tick what are the things he does on a daily basis what is you know whatever but so far it's kind of been a advertisement for his relief programs he puts on, his charities that he um, runs and stuff. Uh, it's been kind of strange. I, It's more... The show, I mean, it's so interesting, but it's just not what I was expecting. The show is more, I guess you could... It would be better described as, like, a day in the life of Bill. That's what it would be better described. Inside Bill's brain kind of gives off the feeling like, oh, we're gonna, like, ask him some questions about how he thinks, and we're gonna really examine how this guy what makes this guy tick and stuff like that. No, what it really is is just kind of like a day in the life of Bill. They do ask him some interesting questions though. Such as, did you know he does not eat breakfast Which is really interesting. I because breakfast is supposedly supposed to be the most important meal of the day, but I used to not um eat breakfast. Um, but then I recently started. And once you start you really can't stop. That's what I've noticed. Um I now when I wake up, my stomach, like, legit, it's not like I'm, I don't feel hungry, really. It's more like a legit, like, pain-ish, like, empty, you can feel the emptiness in your stomach. And you're like, dang, I gotta feel, I gotta feel the empties, emptiness right now. Um. So, once you start eating breakfast, you can't really stop. But Bill doesn't eat breakfast, which I feel like is interesting. I've always thought calling breakfast the most important meal of the day is a bunch of baloney. I have not found that to be true, at least in my own experience, which, uh, what do I know, but I know of so many people who don't eat breakfast, and I don't eat breakfast. When I didn't eat breakfast, and first when I now eat breakfast, I don't really f- notice a difference in my day. I have started getting up earlier, though. I've started getting up um, consistently at 7 a.m. every morning, going to bed, or trying to start winding down for bed at 10.30 every night, um, and getting up at 7 a.m., which is actually been going amazing. It was hard for about a week, and now it's it's actually incredible. I I love getting up. I, I really am a, I'm an early bird. Um, when I can actually get myself out of bed, because I I am a lazy bum. Um, but when I can actually get myself out of bed, um, five minutes after I'm out of bed, I love being up early. I'd love to get up earlier than seven. I might I might try to start moving to the. The only problem with that is is that you know the earlier you get up, the, the earlier you have to go to bed and. Being in college, you can't go to bed much earlier than 10.30. um, Because a lot of my most interesting things that happen in college happen after 10 o'clock. So, uh, you know, I'll probably stay at 7. Like today, this morning, I actually woke up at 8. And it felt like I slept so late. Like, I, I got in the habit, even sometimes last semester, I would, I would get in the habit of actually sleeping till like, 10 or 11 some, uh, some days. Even on, like, a Saturday sometimes, I'd sleep till like, 2 in the afternoon, and I, I totally felt like that was normal. But now I'm getting up at 8 this morning because I didn't have a class till 11.30. And so I got up, you know, I'll give myself an hour, extra hour of sleep. And I got when I, my alarm went off at 8. I, like, leapt out of bed, like, oh, my gosh, I wasn't even anywhere close to tired. I felt like I had slept so long and it was 8 a.m. Just like, it's kind of crazy. Just like a week, really a week of getting up consistently at 7 has turned me into, has completely transformed my sleep cycle and really has made my day so much better. And it it seems so much longer because when you're getting up with the sun, when you're getting up at like 10 a.m., I mean, you're, you, the sun's already been up for like three hours more longer than three hours and so not even You a good majority when you're getting up at 10 and you're going to bed at like a, a midnight to 1 a.m A good majority of your day is spent in with in the dark and it just kind of it's kind of depressing honestly Um, So I that's why I love getting up early now. It really has helped me a lot. I've been reading more I get a lot more time to read I read my Bible I have time to read my Bible every morning Um, and then, so I have, you know, I I have time to read my Bible every morning and then I also have time to read other things, you know, expand my mind. I like to start my day reading. I I try not to look at my phone the first hour of the day because um, I don't want to immediately, because when you look at your phone, in my experience, when you look at your phone, your brain just kind of switches. You know, you're, you you can be in this slow, meditative style of thinking until you look at your phone for the first time in a day, and then your brain just switches into this fast, everything, you know, instant gratification-type brain, and it really is hard to get out of that once you get into it, and the only way that I've found to get out of it is to sleep um, or to just force yourself you know, force yourself to read for, like, an extended period of time, which is really, really hard. So I wake up with a... Nice, slow, meditative brain. And I try to keep that as long as I can. Okay, so this is... I, I've, I've just went on an absolute tangent. And my, my point that I was trying to make five minutes ago, or the thing I was saying five minutes ago was that Bill Gates doesn't eat breakfast. If you recall, that was actually the topic of what I was talking about. This should not be called The Armstrong Sim Show. This should be called... Armstrong Sims rambles, rambling thoughts with Armstrong Sims. Hey, that's actually, it's actually not bad. Rambling thoughts with Armstrong Sims. I'm Armstrong Sims and this is rambling thoughts with Armstrong Sims. You know, uh, maybe, maybe. Okay. The next thing I was going to say about inside Bill's brain, um, this is going (laughs) to take up the entire podcast talking about this documentary. Um, he reads. Okay, so this is a crazy. This is a crazy stat I learned about him. Um, well, actually, <laughs> first, uh, more rambling thoughts. I was thinking, I didn't write this down, but in the show, he talks about all kinds of stuff. Like normal, they ask him like normal questions, like um, coffee or tea, and he just gives he, he he's just rattling off these one word answers. It's so funny. He's like definitely coffee, and they're like favorite favorite animal. He's like dog. And favorite food? He's like, uh, hamburger. Like, favorite animal to eat? He's like, uh, cow. It was really, actually, I thought I found it kind of funny because you're watching the show, Inside Bill's Brain, and the first thing it hit is him just rattling off these extremely one-word, so stock answers. What's your favorite food? Hamburger. Favorite animal. Dog. Favorite animal to eat? Cow. You know, it was just, I thought it was kind of funny. But anyways. Um, He reads Okay the guy reads Can read 150 pages an hour So the guy reads like so much He reads a ton He read 150 pages an hour With 90% retention Guys Do you understand How much I would read If I could read 150 pages an hour I don't even think I can read I think I read thirty. I I think I max out at thirty pages an hour. That's two minutes. That's spending two minutes on a page. That's doing great for me. That's me flying. I mean, obviously, there's some books that are just like the type is really big or the pages are small or it's just a super simple read. Like the Chronicles of Narnia, I could probably not 150 pages an hour. I could probably go through 100 pages an hour of in a Chronicles of Narnia book. But most books, it's like I'm you know two minutes a page is 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 booking it for me. And at that point, at that pace, I'm not really retaining, i I'm probably retaining like 75%. This guy who reads 150 pages an hour with 90% retention. I mean, I I would I would kill, I wouldn't actually kill, but it, for the sake of the expression, I would kill to be able to read at 150 pages an hour. Do you know how much I would, my time I've been reading? Because I love to learn. I really, it... Is one of the greatest joys, I I think, in life is to learn new things. But my problem is, is my interests skip from thing to thing to thing to thing because I'm so interested in so many things that I can never really hold interest on something for long enough. And so I'll, I'll start a book about something and I'll be reading it and I'll be really interested and then I'll get interested in something else and then I'll just ditch that book halfway through and start reading something else because I'm just not quick enough my my reading speed and the time i have for reading is just not fast enough to keep up with my interests. and so i would i would love to be able to read one maybe even two books about the thing i'm interested in before my interest switch because then i'd actually get you know i feel like i'd be actually really expanding my mind and learning new things but at the current pace i'm at place i'm at i'm just having a bunch of half read books that I have. And then eventually, usually I eventually circle back around to that interest and finish that book. But you know, there's nothing, you don't get nearly as much when you start a book and then stop it and then finish it like three months later. You don't get nearly much as much out of it as if you read it from beginning in right, right through. Um, another thing I found helpful and started to do is, um, I, I, I read every, every book I read, no matter if it's a is it a narrative? Is it whatever? I guess there's some. I read some like Star Wars books because I'm a nerd. Um, and those I don't read with a pencil. But everything else I read, I read with a pencil. Is um, biographies and any nonfiction Christian books, whatever. Obviously the Bible. Read with a pencil. I just mark things. Just if something's interesting, I stop and mark it. And sometimes I'll put a, put, um, put a big check mark in the aisle by it just to know that. Just make it easy for my eye to catch when I'm flipping through. And then sometimes if someone says something I don't agree with, I'll underline it and put a big X. It's like, this is interesting that he said this, but I don't agree with it, X. Um, I did that in the Federalist Papers and something, I can't remember what they wrote, but I don't know, I put a big X by it. I don't know, underlining to me now, I found that underlining or highlighting um, really, really helps me um, retain and remember things. And then once I'm finished with the book, I'll flip back through the book and kind of read everything I've hi- underlined or highlighted. And that way it kind of gives me like, after I finish the book, cause so, it sometimes it's gonna be easy to finish a book and just put it on the shelf and forget about it completely. And then now, and then like a year later you look at that book and say, what the heck was that book about? I know I read that book, but I have no idea what was in that. I, I know that that's, that's true of many books on my show. If I'm looking at books right now, I see this book, The Shallows. And I know what the book is about. The Shallows is about how our attention spans are. Um, I read this, I just ordered it like a, a year ago and read it for fun. I think I actually read it twice, actually. It's about how our attention spans. The internet is destroying our attention spans and, when our, and completely remapping and rewiring our brains. And when our attention spans are down, that's a problem because then we can't learn as well or nearly as much and think as deeply as we have been able to in the past um or as humanity has been able to in the past but you know when you ask me any more specific if you asked me any more specifics than that I, I i really wouldn't be able to tell you that why i read the book tw- i know i read it twice actually and i read that book before i underlined things so i i, I would love to pick it up and just flip through and look at see my underlines and refresh myself but i can't but now with my books i'll be able to man uh, like i read um this time i read john adams biography it's like a 900 page book so good so so good Uh, by david mccall i i i'm in love with u.s history um i don't really like world history is so boring to me but u.s history or specifically the world history that affects u.s um is so so incredibly interesting to me. So this book, John Adams, by David McCullough. David McCullough is like one of the, or I'm gonna say, the best biographer of all time. Um, you should definitely pick up a David McCullough book. Definitely worth your time. He's an incredible writer. Um, but I read John Adams, and now I I underlined stuff, and now if I wanna, I know that if I wanna refresh myself on the book, learn some more about. John Adams, you know, some things that I thought were interesting I should keep. A lot of quotes I think I underlined. I could just pick out the book and flip through, and I, I'd find probably, I'd probably underline, I'm going to guess 200 things in that book. And many quotes, probably like 50 quotes, great quotes. Um, So underlining has really helped me. Helped me um, remember, like reemphasize things as I'm reading, and then even be able to go back afterwards, refresh myself. Um, so I can actually remember what I read. Cause what's the point of reading a book if you don't you read it, put it on the shelf, completely forget about it. What was the point? I guess enjoyment, but I'd like to get a little more out of that. I'd like to actually learn things from it and remember the things that I learned. So that's why I started doing it. The guy and then also going back to Bill Gates again. This is gonna be our entire podcast. Um Going back to Bill Gates. The guy goes through fourteen books like that, this is just Crazy fact. Um, his friend said was being interviewed, and he said, "Like I, I I'll go on vacation. We can go on vacation, and he can he will go through 14 books during just one vacation. Like that's an insane level of reading. I, you know how much I wish I could <laughs> go through 14 books on a vacation. I go through one and a half maybe on a vacation. Like we go to the beach for a week, and I go through a book, and then I start another one, and then that's it." And then I never fin- end up finishing that book because you feel like you feel like you, when you're on vacation you feel like you want to read like that's reading. I still feel like that's a universally like accepted thing as like a, a good thing to do on a vacation. Is people all like I see most people like they want to read when they're on vacation, especially to the beach or something, because even if they don't act on it the rest of their life, they still recognize reading as a super relaxing slow type of learning and you can get enjoyment out of it and it's really really rela- relaxing and you can slow down but people don't act on it like people you I people still obviously because they do that people still understand that reading is very relaxing and helps them think about deep things but then they get back into their normal life and they completely don't read at all, and they don't act on what they know. It's just confusing. I I think you should definitely try to block out an hour a day to read. Read something that you're interested in, not something you have to read. Read something you're interested in, and um, I think you'll be I think you'll be shocked at how much that helps. And it it's going to be hard at first like when i uh when I go on breaks, like I, I kind of flow in and out of reading, like I'll read a lot for like two months and then I'll stop reading for two months and then I'll go back in and when i'm getting when I have been like not reading for like a couple months and when I'm getting back into reading, it is hard it is really hard to sit there and not pull out your phone, not turn on the TV, not go play video games, just to sit there and quiet. And just you and your thoughts in the book. That is an extremely hard thing to do. Like the the urge to pull out your phone every two minutes is so strong. Like I don't even feel the urge to pull out my phone most of the time. But when you're sitting there quiet trying to like, you know, read, it is an insane urge. That urge comes up so much, so much more than it does anywhere else. Um, but if you can push through that, I mean, it's definitely worth it. Okay, that's enough about, um, that Netflix documentary. I guess we're not even going to get to the headlines for the day, which is okay. I wanted to talk about, um, the reckless love controversy, okay? So the reckless love controversy came up again. And my life and with multiple because when something comes up in my life Like a controversy comes up I then go to someone else and say hey What do you think about this and then go to the another person and say what do you think about this? And then I have I end up having the debate I had with one person with like five different people and so um, It's uh, definitely it was my own fault that it came up, but Some things I've I've noticed some things about it and one thing I noticed um, having the conversation recently with people is, uh, oh, if you don't know what the reckless love controversy is, um, a song came out I think last year, pretty popular um, worship song called Reckless Love, and basically the song is about, it describes God's love as reckless, and the controversy comes in that if you define the word reckless, it means without concern for the consequences, which is technically not an accurate description of God's love because God's love, God completely knows the consequences of what he's doing, he knows exactly what's going to happen. So the controversy is about that word, the word choice, uh, reckless. And um, one thing, one thing I've noticed about the controversy is you'll never hear anybody, you'll never really hear anybody argue that uh, reckless is an accurate word to use. Okay, reckless is just straight up not an accurate word to use when describing God's love. And I think any any. I've never heard a good argument for why I really never really heard people argue that it is actually the word is accurate um, The guy who wrote the song actually went on Facebook and he's the only guy I've ever heard Seen actually trying to argue that the word is actually accurate and when that when that guy went on Facebook and like wrote this really long post I mean he just exposed he's exposed himself so bad like it was it was such bad reasoning for why like I, I honestly didn't really care until he came out with that post, and you could totally tell he had no idea what was going on, and you could definitely tell the dude just kind of—he even admitted to just kind of pulling the song out of his rear end and just saying, uh, "This I, this is a great word, I think that could possibly describe God." So you'll never really hear anyone um, argue that reckless love is an accurate word to use, and if you. Uh, reckless is an accurate word to use. And if you actually have an argument that for that, please, please let me know because I haven't heard one. The argument that you get all the time without fail, the argument that you get is that it doesn't matter. People are never going to argue with you that say and say that reckless is an accurate word to use to describe God's love. What they're going to say is it doesn't matter. That's the argument you're going to get. Um, um, and then, of course, um, I was arguing this with one of my friends, who I won't mention his name, obviously. But And, and then that, that spurred into Calvinism and Arminianism. Um, and I essentially heard the claim that it didn't matter. Calvinism versus Arminianism didn't matter. And I always hold, that that's the argument that um, I heard, that, that Ar- Calvinism, the argument was that Calvinism and Arminianism doesn't matter. Um, and I always say that um, searching for greater understanding of God is one of the most important things a Christian can do. That is one of the most important things you can do, is searching for God, searching for a deeper, greater understanding and relationship with God. That is one of the most important things you can do as a Christian. And you know what? If you're an Armenian, (laughs) I think you're wrong. Okay, But I can deal with that. Obviously, I think you're saved. Actually, it's a joke that I have to even clarify that I think you're saved. But I appreciate and respect the, the fact that you are chasing after answers. You're chasing after a greater understanding of God. You want to know God more. So you're looking for answers. And you are looking to know have deeper understanding and wisdom of God. And that's great. I can deal with that. But if you don't care, or you claim that it doesn't matter, that I can't deal with, and and I don't even think that the people who make the argument that it doesn't matter think that they don't actually believe. If you if you press them, I don't think they actually believe that it doesn't matter. I don't think they would actually admit that searching for greater truths of God and trying to understand God in a deeper way doesn't matter. They wouldn't say that. Nor should they, but the problem is when they back away from it, because some people can be, it can create some controversy just because some people go about just because some people maybe abuse those things and use it to divide each other and have extremely contentious arguments about it and whatever doesn't mean you should completely avoid it altogether. Just because some people don't do it well, doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it at all. And of course, it obviously doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. Of course, it matters. How could it not matter? Trying to understand God on a deeper level. That is why people study Calvinism or Arminianism, is to try to understand God on a deeper level that is not a bad thing that is an extremely good thing I think we should all be trying to understand God on a deeper level so the only people I have a problem with are the ones who say it doesn't matter okay I'm gonna move on <laughs> to something a little lighter um, because I'm a student at Baylor and because I'm a big Baylor fan Big Baylor football fan. I gotta talk about this. Um, Baylor's football coach, Matt Rule, um, just agreed to a contract extension through 2028. Well, through the 2027 season, really. Which is that? That's a big, it's a big extension. A real big extension. That's like eight years. Eight more years at least. Um, according to a uh, David Smoke, who's a ESPN Central Texas um, reporter on Twitter he said uh, sources at Baylor told me tonight this was um Sunday night I believe um told me tonight Matt Rule has reached an agreement on a contract extension that will take his deal with Baylor through March uh, 2028 I've also confirmed Rule told his team about the extension as they began their workout tonight okay um I believe his contract before I know that his original contract salary was a uh, three point five million dollars a year, I believe. Um, so it, it says he's taking his original deal through Baylor, at Baylor, through March 2020. So I, I'm guessing, I'm assuming that he's getting, he's getting does that mean he's getting no salary? I would assume he's getting a salary raise, but um. Rules original contract was for seven years, and he's uh, currently 12 and 17 as head coach at Baylor, including six straight uh, wins after the Baylor's win last Saturday. Uh, Rules contract will be finalized at the next Board of Regents meeting on November 1st. So, yeah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 blah. And so um, the f- interesting thing I found, I've thought about this was our um, Baylor's athletic director, Mack Rhodes said, um, he quote, this is a quote, I believe we can build this program to where when you think about the national programs, top five national programs, Baylor can be listed among those five. And uh, I must say that is, this man has some extremely high hopes and holds Matt Rule in an extremely high regard. Um, I don't think, I think we can be really good. I don't think we can be that good. But you know, I've been proven wrong before. I thought Matt Rule was a terrible hire turned out to be an amazing hire so I, I that just goes to show how little i know i'm talking about so i'm probably maybe if i say that we're this is a terrible idea then maybe it'll turn out to be a really good idea so i'm this is a terrible idea um but anyways that that's that's all i have to say on the matter I'll, another thing i guess i have to say on the matter is 3.5 million dollars a year in waco texas um that that <laughs> That guy has way more money than he could possibly know what to do with in Waco, Texas. The cost of living in Waco, Texas is so little. I mean, what the heck are you going to do with $3.5 million in the city of Waco? I have no idea. I have no clue. Okay, that's enough. Thanks for listening. Today's episode of I'm Frank Sim Show. We didn't get to any politics or any actual news at all. But I think maybe that's okay. Email me um if you actually want to respond to my challenge about give me an actual real coherent response as to why the word reckless, the choice of the word reckless, is actually an accurate word to describe God's love. If you want to actually give me an argument about that, email me armfringsimshow at gmail.com. Please do. Although if you if you if you write in and it turns out just to be another a variation of it doesn't matter I will roast you so hard okay not that I'm saying not, not not at all that I'm saying that you can't make the argument that it doesn't matter what I'm saying is is my offer is for you to try to tell me why it's an accurate word to describe God's love so if you send me something that is not actually that argument but is actually just an argument for why it matters I'm going to expose you for not actually responding to the prompt. Okay, okay. That's enough. Thanks for listening. This has been Sims show. I'm from Sims. See you tomorrow.